Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you're having a wonderful day so far. So glad that you could join us today. I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast on Christmas puppies. If you've not listened to it, a uh, really good idea whether you had a Christmas puppy or maybe you just have a young puppy anyway. You need to go definitely check that out. Uh, and please pass along to others if they have puppies. We really appreciate you guys sharing our podcast. Uh, that is a great way to support us if you can share our podcast uh, with everyone you know because I know you all have a bunch of friends and a bunch of friends with dogs. So this week Brittany is back. Brett, how are you? Hey, great. How are you? Well, I'm cold. Um, it's been snowing here all day and it's... And I love it. Yeah, well, it's not so much when you're riding and driving on these roads. We had to put off our group classes tonight because the roads are going to be icing over which is fine because it gave us a chance to get this podcast recorded because we were running a little behind uh, not getting it done over the weekend because of football. Well, and it's also the national championship game tonight, so... Yes, yeah, so we have to get this done before that kickoff. <laughs> yes, we are crazy football fans. Go SEC, by the way. Um, even though we're Gator fans, we will be seeing Roll Tide tonight. So all you Alabama fans out there listening... I don't know if we'll go as far as to say RTR, but we will... <laughs> We will at least be cheering for Alabama. We will be cheering for Alabama. So tonight we are actually going to talk about confidence and building confidence. Uh, We're going to talk about Jake, which is Britt's dog that she brought into the relationship. And uh, he's 14 now. Um, And so she got him at a young age. We're going to, I'm going to let her tell the whole story. But we're going to talk about how he was when I first met them versus kind of what we looked at over the years. Now, he's 14. He is dealing with hearing loss. 
eyesight issues and dementia. Um, actually, it's canine cognitive disorder that he's dealing with. Uh, so he's definitely kind of you know struggling with his age now. But but we want to talk about kind of the last eight years of his life and and what that's looked like and and hoping that what Britt has to tell you will kind of open your eyes to the possibilities that your dog, whatever your dog is being like now, if they're afraid and scared or have low confidence, that that's not just how they are. That's mm-hmm. not how they're going to be forever. And I, and I think it's sad when we think that that's just the way dogs are and we don't do anything to help them. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so I got Jake when he was about two years old um, from Craigslist, actually. I'm uh, not necessarily recommending you get a dog from Craigslist. Just <laughs> I was a college student and I was ready for a dog and um, that's the direction I went. I worked at a, at a kennel and everybody else had dogs and I wanted a dog. By God. So um, I got Jake. He was about two and uh, sweetest, sweetest dog, you know, I've ever met. Um, unfortunately, uh, at the time, uh, they and they don't do this anymore, but the facility where I worked used aversive techniques uh, with their training. And I was like, you know what? Let's let's do some training with him. Uh, let's let's just get him, you know, not that he was bad. I mean, he could walk on leash just fine. He wasn't reactive. There was, you know, there, there weren't really that many issues with him. But uh, I think for me, I thought, well, it's a bonding thing. You know, he'll be, we'll be training together and we'll be in class together and that sort of thing. Really trying to develop that relationship. Right, exactly. Thinking that, um, because the whole theory of dominance was prevalent in that. And it was like, all right, you know, he needs to respect me and, you know. Yeah, so let me kind of explain what, what some of the training techniques, when we say aversive techniques... It was more of a dominant theory. You have to be the alpha. You have to be in charge. They used um, quite a bit of choke chains, prong collars, leash corrections, firm tones. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they were still using treats. Uh, very, very, very rarely. rarely. Wow. They were. Okay. Yeah, no, they were They were very few and far So really, between. you can't even say balance trainer at that point. And, and balance trainer is something that's being used a lot. And please don't be fooled. When you find somebody that says they're a balanced trainer, that means that they're still using corrections. They're still using prong collars, mm-hmm. choke chains, e-collars, which are shock collars. Don't let the name fool you. Um, e stands for electronic. Yeah. It's, um, it's and, not an e-collar you get from the vet. It's not right, an Elizabethan collar. Right. It's a shock yeah. collar. It is meant to cause harm. So for those that think, oh, they don't hurt, if they didn't hurt, they wouldn't work, just so you know. Uh, the whole true. purpose is to cause pain and discomfort. So even if you're just using the vibration or the tone, um, that's actually more harmful than just using the correction because then the dog never knows when it's going to happen. People are not consistent. And so you get a dog who, well, lacks in confidence. So now that I've kind of cleared up what that mm-hmm. those techniques kind of look like, I'm going to turn it back over to Brett on that. Yeah. And I, and I will say, um, Jake came from a great family. However... Um, they had six children. It was, it, they became. It was a blended family, recently blended family, kind of like the Brady Bunch. I was going to say the Brady Bunch. Yeah. and uh, young kids, and you know they they traveled a lot. 
Um, they did what was best for him, honestly. And just uh, so you know, Jake is a is basically a flat coated retriever mix. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, basically he's a golden retriever but black. Yeah, yeah, that's essentially what he is. Um, who will not retrieve anything. Uh, that's the mix part, except sometimes trash out of a trash can. But uh, so, <laughs> wasn't he found in a dumpster? He was found that. Yeah, he was found. So in he a was dumpster. he was eating trash. At an early age. Yeah. it That's heartbreaking to me. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so I have this sweet dog. The The original rescue actually didn't want to give him up. They wanted to keep him as like the facility dog uh, because he was so chill. He got along with other dogs. He was great. Um, so this family adopted him, moved to Nashville, blended family. It turns out it's just too much. So I get him. In my mind, like, he's perfect. But, again, working at a facility with a trainer there who says, no, 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 you got to You got to get this dog, like, trained. So, I put, I put my dog on a pinch collar, not knowing any better. Because the whole thing that you're told by someone who uses a pinch collar is it's no different than a mother dog <laughs> biting the back of the neck or the muzzle, which, I mean, obviously the the pinch collar doesn't go over the muzzle, but it's no different than a mother dog correcting a puppy by biting. Yeah, and just so y'all know that that is um, a myth. Um, pup, basically, mothers are not going to correct their, their dogs that way. They will start with their level ones. They'll go to level two and then level three. Typically, it's a muzzle grab. And when you do see mothers grab uh, puppies by the neck and pick them up, it's typically because they're trying to move them mm-hmm. to safety. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's um, <laughs> dogs. Mothers are not going to correct their dogs immediately. It's kind of like saying, that's like saying that um, a mother uh, is going to immediately go to spanking her child mm-hmm. for doing something wrong. Exactly. The very first time. So just yep. know, guys, that's not how that's not how it works. And and also, dogs are very far removed from wolves at this point. That they are no longer a part of that wolf family. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're they're very domesticated. Whereas like cats, cats are still actually ninety six percent. Um, kind of attached to their wild ancestors. They still have that in them. We have domesticated dogs to the point that they don't have that. They're not They're not wolves. They may be cousins to them, but they are not, um, you're not, you don't live with a descendant of a wolf in your home. Right. Just so you know. Right, right exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I put a pinch collar on him thinking that this is the correct way to train um, and, and didn't you tell me that Europe uh, or Germany somewhere yes. um, banned e Was it yes. e-collars? Yes. Or? Um, I actually believe that they banned all aversive collars um, in Europe, that they no longer um, allow the use of prong collars, pinch collars, choke chains, e-collars, anything like that. Okay. Yeah. And they actually have national certification by the way. Um, Which we do not. We do not. We do not have national certification. It is not regulated here. Uh, luckily, Europe is regulated. And I will tell you that there was a dog trainer from the United States who went over to Europe uh, to do some dog training. Um, and he's well known. He's been on TV. 
And just so you know, he couldn't pass the test Mm -hmm. that you have to take to be certified a trainer there. Um, Frankly, because his stuff does not, um, his stuff is old school myth. It's not scientifically based. It's um, dominance. Theory. It's all dominance theory, and it's um, it's it's just it's crap. And mm-hmm. y'all have heard me say this if you've listened to this podcast m- many times. And I'm really proud of myself for using the word crap than the other words that I want to use. But because I know probably some of you listen to this with your children in the car, but uh, it is crap. <laughs> but yeah, um, Europe is way ahead of us in dog training, um, yeah. and they they understand that scientifically based training is the way to go which Mm -hmm. is why they banned all this other stuff yeah yeah i wish we would do that here um at least not allow people to buy prong collars choke chains Uh, and just so you know the prong collar and the pinch collar it's the same thing Uh, we're just using the two terms Um, and absolutely pet owners should never have the ability to purchase a shock collar um that's so dangerous yeah uh, it, it just it's it's very dangerous for dogs um, but anyway so I'm gonna hand that back over to Britt talking about Jake and her training with aversive techniques yeah so I, I took a um, fairly confident dog he was pretty confident and happy when I got him um, manners were good you know my biggest thing was like is he housebroken like that's really all I cared about um, great dog and then I start, I start putting him on this pinch collar and doing leash corrections. And I remember he yelped a couple of times. I'm like, I, mm. I wanted to cry. That hurts. That hurts to hear that. Because I, I was told, um, because I would sort of correct, you know, but was like, oh, no, no. You got to use your wrist. Put your wrist into it. It's, it's an actual pop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, okay. And, uh, and, if anybody, and if y'all know Brittany, you know that this is this had to be very difficult for her. Because she's very soft and sensitive. And Dude, I accidentally hit Isabella. I was carrying a flip-flop <laughs> in my hand. She was 11 <laughs> weeks old. We were outside in the dark. I was just kind of swinging my arm. Puppies behind me. She's trying to jump up and bite the flip-flop i accidentally hit her in the face she yelped i remember this i bawled for a good 30 minutes I remember okay this. like and that and so jake yelping should have been my like duh moment but yeah when you've got someone who's like well known and it's supposed to be a professional and people are telling you like oh yeah my dog is so much better after this training. I'm like, uh, okay, cool. Um, and let's just say that suppression of behavior does not mean your dog is better. That's true. If, when your dog is too scared to do something, that's not a well-trained dog. Right. That is a dog that is stuck in fear who is too scared to do something. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I see a lot of it. And I see a lot of people with younger dogs and puppies. They're like, oh, this dog is just so good. When I go into a home with someone who has a puppy and that puppy is not doing puppy things and not getting into trouble, I'm concerned mm-hmm. because that tells me that there's something wrong with the puppy confidence wise. Yeah. If it's not acting like a normal puppy. Right. Yeah. So, uh, he definitely became more subdued and everybody's like, like, 
look how laid back your dog is. Like, huh. He was already a chill dude. You know, he's a Jake. Jake, you know, Jakes are like the chill dogs. Uh, and suddenly it was just like, he wasn't doing much of anything. You know, like he wasn't playing. He, he'd go outside, he'd walk around, he'd come back in, he was sleeping. Like, I mean, he just wasn't doing anything that could potentially create a correction. Yeah. Yeah. Because I also know that my timing was probably horrible and dude had no idea like what, yeah. what he was doing. And that is a problem is that when you have bad timing with positive reinforcement, the worst thing you can do is not be teaching the thing that you're trying to teach. Right. When you have bad timing with bad behavior, you're going to have fallout behavior. Mm-hmm. And and I have seen a lot of fallout behavior from dogs that have been trained this way. I've been bitten by dogs who have been trained this way because of the fallout. So y'all need to keep this in mind. I know that most of you listening here, you're probably mostly about positive reinforcement, but you know people that are using techniques like this. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you think you're using balance techniques and that you have to have this because someone told you that you have to have a prong collar, you have to have an e-collar. And let me tell you, if your dog can only walk on a prong collar, then your dog doesn't know how to walk on a leash. Mm -hmm. Just so you know. All right, sorry. Go ahead, Britt. Oh, no, that's okay. Uh, So... I met you originally in 2011. Yep. Uh, you came and did um, some staff training where where I was. Yep. And that was the first time that I started learning about positive training. And communication, how dogs... Yeah, yeah. Because that exactly. was the majority of what we talked about was communication. We were doing daycare stuff, interaction. But yeah. yes, all positive. And, and I hadn't had him on the pinch for quite some time at that point, because it was just one, the things are a pain in the butt (laughs) to take on and off. Yes, they are. And if they're not fitted correctly, like that's a whole other issue. And Um, most of them are not fitted correctly. Yeah. And, uh, and and, and just let me kind of, sorry, I know I'm going to keep interrupting you on this. It's fine. Uh, Cause basically Brett and I are just sitting across from each other, having this conversation and y'all get to hear it. Um, I used to use prong collars. And I used to use choke chains when I first started in training. And I will tell you that I was miserable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can tell you the difference in it. Whereas if somebody that's only used positive or only used correction, I have been on both sides of the line. And I can tell you that dogs are totally different uh, when you don't use that. So anyway, but yes, prong collars are a pain in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. So I met Nikki and she's kind of explaining how she does things and and dog communication and, and how they work. And I was like, oh, oh, dear God. Like, what have I done to my dog? Have I ruined him for life? <laughs> I was I was mortified. So, you know, that night I went home and apologized to him and probably cried because that's what I'm I did. Gonna, I'm going to say that you probably did. I probably did. Um, and, and so... I guess it was the next year when you came back, we really started working on his confidence and mostly his problem-solving skills. Because the other thing about aversive training is dogs become robots. Mm, Yes. Uh, They're learning to avoid the correction 
rather than actually learning what you're asking them to do. I could not have said that any better. Dogs, he, this poor dude had no problem solving skills. No, because he was too scared to make choices because the choices he's made in the past, if they weren't correct and he didn't read your mind right, yeah. he got corrected for them. Right, exactly. I wouldn't play that game either. Right. Um, so, and, I, and I'm so lucky that I did not cause him to be dog reactive uh, because there were a couple of dogs that uh, were just now that now I know mm-hmm. were disrespectful to him uh, while he was on leash, and I corrected him, not knowing any better. And uh, I'm I'm so 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 glad he's not you know dog reactive or dog aggressive. No, Jake has some of the, he had some of the best calming signals. Ever And if any of y'all have seen our communication seminar, you've seen Jake, but you've seen him mostly in his flag wag. No, his, his, his circle, circle wag. His circle yeah, he wag, had a circle yeah. wag. Um, Jake had some of the best calming signals. Like, I could put him with any dog that had lack of confidence, and he was perfect. Yeah. He was not like that. When I first met you guys, I just remember um, your significant other at the time uh, was very harsh, very mm-hmm. firm, loud. Um, and Jake, I watched him ignore so much of that. Yeah. Uh, which was a beautiful level one calming signal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could see also he had a lack of confidence mm-hmm. and problem solving skills. He's just like, I don't know what else to do. I don't want to get corrected anymore. Right. And that's when you and I started that conversation on. Here's how you need to. This is what we need to do. How, how you need to do this. And. Um, and there's a blog about this from a couple years ago on the Dog Speak website. Um, I think I think the title is something to the effect of what the consequences of building your dog's confidence. Yes, because yes, <laughs> absolutely. Because suddenly, as as we're starting to do these confidence building exercises and and do the positive training, like. Dude is counter surfing all of a sudden. Which is the number one behavior that I see in dogs that have no confidence that we start to build the confidence. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first things that I see, and that's what I warn people about. Your dog is probably going to start counter surfing even though he's never done it because now we're giving the dog the ability to think and use their brain. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're going to go to where all the smells are yeah. and the good things are. So, counter surfing is typically. One of the number one things, but here's the thing, guys. Countersurfing is very easy to deal with. I'd much rather have a confident dog who countersurfs on a regular basis than have a dog who is too scared to do anything. Because if I have a dog who's too scared to do anything, then me teaching them how to come, how to be around other dogs and people and deal with everyday things is going to be more challenging. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yes. Yeah, so, Jake is uh, starting to build his confidence up. Oh, yeah. And... Uh trash rating became a thing yeah he really enjoyed that he uh yeah started doing that um but it was it got to the point where i would just kind of laugh about it because it's like all right he's trying things now which is great because we know we're changing yeah how he feels about himself and about dealing with life yeah and and uh, furniture manners suddenly became a thing uh had to work on that you know, dude, you can't lay on the back of the couch. Yeah, right. <laughs> that You're was a little his, too big for that. That was his his other thing. Um, but it was it was just funny to see 
and and a relief too because trust me like i i have oh my god i've beaten myself up for for doing that to him for for using any type of aversive on him that could have hurt him or scared him and um man like and i don't want you to you know and that's the thing about i don't want people to feel bad because they're going to a professional supposedly professional and i'm going to put my air quotes on there they're going to a professional who is telling them that this is what needs to happen it's like going to a doctor and a doctor saying hey you need to do this and this is what needs to happen and you believe them yeah and so you can't blame people and i don't want anybody to feel guilty if you look and say okay look there's got to be a better way and you seek that out then you know what you're on the right track forget about what happened in the past Uh, forget about what you've done in the past you can't hold on to that guilt because if you hold on to that guilt you will stay in the same place and so i never want anybody to feel guilty for doing what they're doing because somebody has told them that this is how it works that they've been training for 10 years and and this is this is how you do it mm-hmm. thing is, is is when you know there's a better way and you choose not to do it then i'm going to let you feel all the guilt in the world all right yeah. and i'm telling you there's a better way and i'm telling you there's a better way because i've been doing it for 24 years I spent my first year training with choke chains and prong collars. And I stopped when I took the leash off of a dog I was working with on a prong collar. And I was going to play and we were going to have some fun. I took the leash off and the dog ran to the back door. I can still see it in my mind. The dog ran to the back door, sat down sideways and leaned up against it, begging to be let in and away from me. Yes, I was using treats while training. Mm-hmm. But I was using a prong collar. Yeah, That dog had wanted nothing to do with me. And it broke my heart. And at that moment, I said, I quit. Mm-hmm. I quit. I don't want to do this. If this is the way you train dogs, I don't want to do this. Right. Because that's not my heart. So luckily, I was introduced to operant conditioning, BF Skinner, Pavlov, Um, And really understanding the whole concept. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. Right? And that was, I mean, I'm telling you, it was heartbreaking to watch that because I was in dog training because I love dogs. Mm -hmm. But then I was told this is the only way you train. I mean, I remember reading The Monks of New Skeet, which was the biggest, like, dog training book back in the day. And all the monks, and they were all about using aversive training techniques. Wait, for real? For real. Huh. They like raised German shepherds and they used aversive techniques and their books have been all over the world. And so I would read and I would absorb and then I would try it. And then I watched this dog go, you know what? I don't really want to interact with you. Yeah. And it broke my heart. And it was, it was that dog that changed my thought process. And once I was introduced to something new, all right, game is on. Now I'm loving it. Now I'm 25 years into this business mm-hmm. and uh it really has made a huge difference but still to me 25 years later and i'm still talking to people about prong collars and choke chains and shock collars why am i still having to discuss this well i mean in their defense they seem like quick fixes they seem like a magic wand and again like you said they suppress the behavior um yeah, so here's a great example. 
So let's help people to understand a little bit maybe about this example. Um, let's say that you have a bad habit of twirling your hair. Okay. And I do. Okay. So I have um, a family member who used to twirl his hair so bad that he would leave bald spots. Mm. Okay. So I could, if I wanted to look at the external behavior to that, I could fix him from doing that. How, you ask? I don't know. Tie his hands behind his back. Or maybe shock him with a cattle prod every time he does it. Smack him every time. Wow. Right? Yeah. Did I fix the issue of twirling his hair Mm -hmm. out of stress? Right. No. Because as soon as I don't have the the cattle prod, as soon as I don't have his hands tied behind his back, what's he going to do? Twirl his hair until it's bald spot. Mm Mm-hmm. What you have to do is go deeper than that. You have to look at why are we seeing this external behavior. When I can see the external behavior and understand the motivation behind it, now I start working on that portion. If, the, if he's stressed out, we need to deal with the stress. What's the underlying reason for the stress? Let's work on that and let's give you better coping mechanisms to deal with that stress. Mm-hmm. Then if you fix that stress, you don't have the external behavior of twirling the hair until you get a bald spot. Right. Most people look at dogs and all they think about is the external behavior instead of understanding that these dogs have a brain, they have emotions, they have the thought process. We need to go deeper. So many aversive trainers only look at external behaviors and they try to stop the external behavior. Well, guess what, guys? That is not fixing your dog. Right. It's causing more problems. Yeah, and I think that's what's so, um, what kind of goes along with that is, is you ask people what they want to see. Yes. Rather than what they don't want to see. So they're not focused on the behaviors they want to extinguish. They're focused on how what, what do I want my dog to do? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's very helpful when you start looking at that from that perspective. Well, I tell you what I get tickled about is when I ask people, well, okay, if you don't want your dog doing this, what do you want your dog doing? And so many times I get the answer, I don't care as long as it's not that. Mm-hmm. Well, you just gave your dog 500 choices yeah, to try to figure out what you'd rather have. If you don't know what you want, you can't teach your dog. Right. So the first thing you have to do is know what you want in your dog. Then we can start teaching it. Mm-hmm. So that that is the biggest thing about that. You know, building confidence and teaching the dog to think and use their own brain. Yeah. So back to Jake, now we've, we've started building confidence up, and the consequences are he's getting into the trash, he's countersurfing, he's laying on the couch and, like, making wet spots because he's licking. Just disgusting things. But we go, you know what? Yeah, they're inconvenient, and those are things I don't want. But I know he's happier. Yeah, because he's trying things. Absolutely. And he actually became a better dog than when I first met him. Mm-hmm. Um, he came. He, he comes pretty well. Well, when he could hear. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he was an overall... You start to see the real personality. Yeah. There was no suppression there. He could be who he is, and we embrace him. And anything that we're not a fan of, we could help mold it into something more positive. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's super goofy, funny everybody loves jake when they meet him but you know when he was like for instance when he passes canine good citizenship 
Like, Dog had no personality by that point. Yeah, great. You passed the test. That's wonderful. But, gosh, you're not happy. Right. Um, and then going back to, this is a little bit off topic, but going back to what you said about um, the monks and the German shepherds. So many times I hear people say, yeah, 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 positive training's great and all, but you can't, you can't train a German shepherd with positive methods. You can't train uh, a Connie Corso. You, you can't train this Malinois. Like, you can't do that because it's, it's bred differently. It's wired differently. You can't use positive methods on this breed. A Rottweiler, you can't do it. I, I mean, I hear this all the time when I'm talking to people. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's funny because um, my Rottweiler does just fine. I've with, had three and they've... With positive yep. training. I've had three and none of them have ever worn a ch- chain, prong collar, or knee collar. And I have taught my dogs to be off-leash and I can take them anywhere. Mm-hmm. Off-leash. Yeah. And have control. Yeah. In no, a positive way. No remote in your hand. No remote. So when y'all see y'all, when y'all see these people walking around with their dog off-leash and, and being like, oh, look at my dog off-leash. I want you to look at the dog. Okay. First, I want you to look at the dog. Where are the ears? Where's the head? Where's the tail? I guarantee that they are in low positions. And then I want you to look to see what is hanging around that person's neck. Is it a remote control or is there a remote control in their hand? So many videos I see on Facebook and people are like, oh my God, look how amazing this dog is. Mm-hmm. If you look Carefully, you'll see a remote control in somebody's hand and you'll see the dog do some head shakes because they just got shocked for not listening. Mm-hmm. That dog is not trained. That dog is learning how to avoid corrections, avoid the punishment, avoid the pain. Dude, that's, that's trauma. It is trauma. That is causing PTSD. I mean, if we're talking in human terms. Absolutely. You're, you're that's... That's what children of abuse absolutely do when they, uh, you know, when a, when a parent comes home drunk, and they they have to. All right, I'm going to avoid this situation, or I'm going to just do whatever I know is going to avoid me getting into trouble or absolutely. get hurt. And that's exactly what it is. And people don't. I don't know why we we don't look at that and put that into a perspective for dogs it's it's like we think that it's okay to treat them in an abusive way Mm -hmm. and it is abusive I'm not gonna lie I don't mean to be harsh but it is abusive when we are trying think okay maybe this is a good example and and I just popped up somebody's trying to teach you a new language Mm -hmm. now (laughs) I took French and I sucked at it du fromage is the only thing I know and that's cheese um, honestly, that's the only thing I remember from two years of French. But if somebody tried to teach me a new language, and every time I said the lang- I said it wrong or I didn't know what it was, they yelled at me, hit me. I'm not going to want to learn that language. I'm not going to learn it. I may learn what I need to say to avoid it, but I'm not going to keep it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be something I'm going to be able to use. It's not a skill. It's not a skill. Yeah. Your it skill, is, the skill you're learning is survival. It's exactly, I was just about to say, it. that is survival. You're not learning a skill, you're learning yeah. survival. Yeah. And that, that is, that is abuse. It is. And, and it's, you know, funny because, you know, there's been something going around for so, for so many years now that people don't say dog owners, they say dog guardians. All right. Now, I don't care about the term guardians, owners, whatever, 
but it's funny that we want to change what we call ourselves, but yet we're not changing our training techniques. We want to say we're dog guardians, but we're still okay with using aversive techniques. Yeah. So uh, it's like you can't put a, a cool name on it. Oh, and I'm a dog guardian, but you're using an e-collar. Yeah. So really, what are you? Because you're certainly not guarding. You're not guarding anything. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If, uh, I mean, I didn't mean to get so heavy on this podcast. No I, think, but... I think, no, I think it's really good. I think that people, I think people need to know that because they are being told, and there are a lot of, there are a lot of companies and a lot of, again, air quote, trainers that are building big buildings and they have these beautiful training facilities and they do this board and train and you're spending three thousand dollars for two weeks and their dog's coming home and they're thinking look at how good my dog is when in fact your dog spent uh two weeks in a in a crate for 20 hours of the day at least 20 hours of the day with four hours of training maybe and most of that being corrected using an e-collar or a shock collar yeah. Does that sound like a guardian? Or does that sound like I'd like to have a robot? So, I mean, it, the thing is, is that people need to be educated to where we really step out and say, look, guys, there are better ways. Mm-hmm. There are better ways to teach these dogs. They need confidence. They need problem-solving skills. They need to be able to embrace their personality. You need to be able to embrace their personality and turn it into something positive. And you need to create this relationship. Because if you don't have a relationship, what is the point of having a dog? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, the science now about raising children and the harmful effects of spanking. Mm. And, you know, how that affects a child long term. Um, Even though we're all, you know... (laughs) You and I both were spanked. And, oh, I've been spanked. And I've we're been, like, yeah, we're handed. We're fine. Hey, we're mom. Fine. But, um, but they're just knowing. Hey, there are better ways to do this, and they're just as effective. The more the, effective. The problem is, oh yeah, more effective is what I should say. You're you're gonna have a better human. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, just like uh, a choke collar or an e-collar you're getting results more quickly you think you are uh well it um, externally yes you're getting results more quickly um and it's it's actually like you said just suppressing the behavior yeah so if you're if your dog if you're walking down the street with your dog and your dog barks at another dog and you pop them with a prong collar Mm-hmm. Okay, you're gonna you're going to suppress the behavior of barking at other dogs. Congratulations, suppressing the behavior. But what you've also done is you've created a negative association with other dogs, and now you took your dog that was very friendly and outgoing and loved to go to dog parks and play. You've now turned that dog into a reactive dog towards other dogs, and emotionally, where now they're afraid of other dogs when you're around. Mm-hmm. So your dog park adventures aren't going to be nearly as fun. Mm-hmm. Dogs aren't going to have any fun. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's something that you think you're fixing a behavior, but suppression is not fixing anything. Uh, no. No. 
My, I, do you want me to get my therapist up on here? Like she will literally. Maybe we should have a tell maybe, her, maybe we should have will, a human. She will tell everybody. Come on, suppression doesn't <laughs> fix anything. Like, like Brittany. Um, yeah, you can't suppress this. This is not fixing. We got to. We got to get through this. We need to delve into this. You have to. We it, can't suppress it. Yeah, and you have to learn new ways to deal with things. You know, it, it, if you have a dog that barks at other dogs on leash. You don't just stop them from barking. You give them skills on how to deal with that in other ways. But, of course, it always starts with humans. I had to start with Brittany with training and teaching her the, and, you know, the importance of problem solving and self-control and, and building that confidence up because a lack of confidence will give you a lot of problems. It, it is the core issue mm-hmm. um, of all these symptoms that we're getting with reactivity and aggression. And, you know, it, it's just a... I deal with it so much but if we can change the way people think and understand that yes consequences are part of learning but consequences should never be physically or emotionally harming aversives the way they work is to cause pain and discomfort so when I hear people say the shock does not hurt them and I I listen to it and I hear people out at the dog park when they have a remote control all the time it doesn't hurt if it didn't hurt it wouldn't work yeah. Period. That is how it works. Mm-hmm. If my treat doesn't taste good, it will not work for positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. If your correction is not harsh, using like a prong collar choke chain, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. If your dog stops doing what he's doing, it's working because it causes discomfort. Now, consequence, like I said, they're there. But again, never physically or emotionally harming. Your dog should never be afraid to make choices. Yeah. And I, I watched Jake bloom into a wonderful, amazing dog. And every time somebody comes over here, it's all about Jake. Mm-hmm. I mean, now Isabella, because she's really awesome. Because um, Isabella is really, I mean, she is full of herself. And she tries so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a goofball. But we've allowed her to have that personality and try to mold it into something positive for both of us. Yeah. Uh, because I have, I'm a, I have, <laughs> I have high expectations with my dogs, because I've had dogs that I could have off leash. But she's cute. She is cute. <laughs> uh, but but guys, here's the thing. Bottom line is, and then here we, I think probably the majority of the the episodes that Brett and I are going to do are going to end up at 45, 50 minutes. Um, but I think y'all are okay with Sorry, that. Sorry, y'all. Um, I think y'all probably really enjoy listening to Brittany. And I like this because it, it allows me to come up with more things than me just talking. Um, and I wish I could get Gray on some more of these. But, you know, he's gotten so busy too. But uh, the thing is, guys, you got to build your confidence. you got to make sure that your dogs have an opportunity to think and use their brain. And you want to make sure that you give them all of the opportunities to show who they are on a regular basis. Um, please just do not punish your dogs for wrong things. Please don't use choke chains, prong collars. Please don't be using shock collars. Please don't send your dog off for training for two weeks. You're going to miss out on the purpose of the dog. You're going to miss out on their full personality. Mm -hmm. And I'm very passionate about that. And I want people to understand that, you know what, it's not as hard as you think it is. It's not as time consuming as you think it is. If you can you have time to feed your dog and pet your dog and love on your dog and watch tv you have time to train your dog you have time to develop a relationship right you don't get into a marriage thinking okay i'm now married i'm just gonna go do my own thing and not try to develop this relationship no 
it, you have to spend time doing it. Uh, so uh, any final words, Brent, as we wrap this up? No, I mean, I think... Uh that was good. I think we covered it. Yeah, I think it was good. I think also, we, I, I think Gray may be pulling up I think Gray is pulling up the, the grass and treats, yeah. <laughs> and the dogs are probably going to start barking. Uh, so we'll wrap up on this they one. Love, I, they love Uncle Gray. They do love Uncle Gray. I really hope you guys can really take this and understand that, that it's not appropriate. And if you have a dog who is too physically, um, their, their physical strength is too much for you, there are things that we can do to help you with that. You do not need a prong collar or a choke chain or e-collar to control your dog. Uh, there are other ways that we can do that in a positive way. So reach out to us and let us know. We can, we'll can we be happy to help you. If you're not local, we can do a Zoom meeting. We can find some positive trainers for you. Um, we really appreciate you guys listening and hanging out with us. Um, please go and make sure that you like us on Facebook um, and make sure that you are following us on our website and sign up for our newsletter. And, of course, we would love for you to become a Patreon member. Um, and you can go to patreon.com slash dogspeak. Um, you know what, if you cannot monetarily uh, donate to support, I'm okay with that. I would just love for you guys to share the podcast, rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to so that other people can follow us. Um, but we love you. We appreciate you. Uh, we are so glad that you join us every week. And of course, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email, patreon at dogspeak101.com. Is that right? No, podcast. Oh, you're right. Podcast. <laughs> I'm so glad that she's here. Um, podcast at dogspeak101.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have any ideas um, that you would like for us to cover on a podcast, we would love to hear from you. Um, we are really, really do appreciate you. Brett, thanks for being on again um, for this week's episode. Any final words? No. Um, no. No. I think we're good. Oh, she's just so just... My, well, Isabella's in there ringing her little doorbell. She is. And I know she needs to go to the bathroom, so yeah. I, I got to go let her out. So. All right. So, guys, I hope you have a wonderful week. We really love you and appreciate you, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, so, again, share the podcast. Shoot us an email, podcast at dogspeak101.com. Yes. And then, of course, you can check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash dogspeak101. Um, or just, no, Patreon slash. Y'all, really? This Okay, look, Britt did give me a couple of beers. That's all I'm saying. It, it is patreon.com. Patreon.com slash dogspeak. Dog Check us out, guys. <laughs> Love you, appreciate you, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week.